Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday sermon series, Branded. We've all been branded by others based on certain attributes about us. Many times we're marked or labeled according to our past self. It's often negative and places us in a box. But ultimately, we're not who people say we are. We are who God says we are. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at Again, we hope you enjoy this message. All right, so I'm going to get right into the message. And um, I love this topic of branded and, and kind of identity and walking in, 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 in an identity, walking in who people call you or what people call you and, and how you see yourself. And, and the truth is that we're all branded. Every one of us have a brand. We're all, you know, some of us dress our brand, but that, that's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is inner, an inner identity of how you see yourself and how others see you. And, and we all have a brand. I remember growing up in church. My dad was a pastor here along with Pastor Omar. My dad's name is Pastor Dave. And for years, I was Pastor Dave's son. Like, that was my brand in the church, Pastor Dave's son. That's how everybody knew me. And, and I didn't really care. Honestly, I really don't. I didn't care. And then my brother got a little well-known for preaching. He's a writer. Uh, he's an evangelist. And so now, then I went from Pastor Dave's son to Diga's brother. And, and I kind of just, I, I, I accepted a new brand. And I'm okay with that, right? And now with, with people, they're, they're like, I'm no longer Mike. I'm now Liam's dad, Ryland's dad, uh, Lucas's dad. And that's my parents that call me that. It's kind of messed up. Huh? No, I'm just kidding. But um, we all have a brand, and, and I remember, and, and even growing up in the church. Now, this may seem hard to believe, um, but when I was growing up as as a young adult, as a young man, I had a little bit of an attitude. <laughs> I had a little bit of an attitude. I had a little chip on my shoulder, a little entitlement, and I had I had many talks in Pastor Omar's office with, "Why would you say that? Why would you do that?" And I, th- you know, of course, I I was justified, right, in my own head. But I, I, had a, I had a reputation within the church, and I was branded by that reputation. And, and I remember growing up and just thinking and getting a little frustrated uh, because of the brand that I had, because of the, the reputation that I had. And can, can, I, can I challenge you, church, just a little bit before I get into the rest of this message? Don't brand the young adults here as though they are still 10 years old. Don't look at them as if they're, because you got some, I'm sitting there talking with Daniel Bonet and Mario and these young guys that I, that I, I, they're in the kids church when I was in the youth and they're like 18, 19, 20 years old. They're men. But what we, what we tend to do sometimes in the church is we, we have people grow up and it's harder for them to invest into their own calling because we still see them as children. I want to encourage you as a church, embrace the young people. Don't, don't brand them as if they're still 10, 12, 13 years old. Brand them as, as men and women of God that are called to do something. Because it's hard. It's hard to get through a brand. It's hard to, it's hard to um, get through when others define you by what they see or what they think about you. And the truth is we brand others by how we think about them and what we see in them. And we never really brand people by what's inside. We brand people on how the outcome is or what it looks like. But we're also branded by our surroundings, the type of family that we grew up with, the type of community we grew up, the neighborhood that we grew up, right? We kind of brand ourselves to the neighborhood, right? Like, like Paramount, right? Like my wife is like, she's from Paramount. I'm like, no, babe, you're Texan now. You got to embrace it. But she's branded herself. Um, we, and, and also we're branded by, by ourselves, by our inner struggles. We brand ourselves by, by believing the words that other people say about us. We brand ourselves by our past mistakes. Anybody, anybody brand yourself and say, man, I'll never get over that. 
mistake. I'll never get through my past. I'll never really change. This is who I am. And we brand ourselves by our incapabilities and our mistakes. And so when we hear the message that we often hear, especially in a church like this, when we hear the message that God can use your life, we immediately go back to our current brand and say, no, he can't because this is who I am. And so we live a life believing our own brand. And I'm going to tell you something after I take a nice drink of water. I'm going to tell you something. If the enemy can get you to live by your old identity, he's won. Some of us are still walking by our old brands even though we've been made new. And so we live a life that we, where we're believing our old brand. We're believing our old identity. We're believing our old label. And so in Genesis chapter 15, verse 2 through 5, it says, Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is, is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside. He said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you're able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. In Genesis 18, verse 9 through 12, it says, Then they said to him, Where is, your, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, There in the tent. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and advanced in age. And Sarah was past childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have become old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I in indeed bear a child when I am so old? So what is happening is God is giving them a promise, but they're responding to him by their brand. They're saying, I can't have that because I am. I can't be a father of many because I'm not even a father of one. I can't bear a child because I'm past the ages. And Sarah laughs at that idea that God can use it. And it's funny because we do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, one day, yeah I'll be a pastor, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I can lead a life group. Yeah, right. Okay, sure. Yeah, I can sing. Some of you aren't called to sing, and that's okay. That's all right. Like, I'm not called to sing. That's all right. I wish I was, like this guy right here. But we walk in an old brand. So I know you can't read these from far, but I'm, it says, so we walk with, it says, hello, my name is kind of going off the, you know, that thing up there. Failure, mistake, depressed, ugly, accident, fatherless, hopeless, abandoned, and many other things that we label ourselves so when God calls us, we say, I can't because I'm depressed. I can't because I'm, I, I'm, I'm anxious. I can't because I'm a mistake. I can't because I'm fatherless. I can't because I'm motherless. I can't because I'm abandoned. So when God says that we have a call, the, 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 the idea of a calling of God is crazy. And what is our response? Let someone else do it. Let someone else do what God has called me to do. This is what I find so interesting about the Bible is most, almost all the heroes of faith, all of them thought they were unqualified. Every single one of them said, no, let someone else do it. Find someone else to get it done because you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the brand that I currently walk in. So find someone else to do that calling of yours, God, because I'm not the one for you. We find this, uh, this same thought in the story of Gideon in Genesis chapter 6, verse 11 through 27. 
Gideon is hiding from his enemies. He's hiding from them. And this angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Gideon, you mighty man or you mighty warrior. And he lays out this plan how Gideon could overcome his enemy. But Gideon's response to the calling of God, he says, I am the weakest in my clan and my clan is the weakest of all. So basically, I'm the weakest of the weak. I'm the lowest of the low. I can't be used by you. I can't be used by God. Find someone else. So we know ourselves. We know what we go through. We know what we've been through. So when we hear that, we say, yeah, I appreciate the call. And I'm thankful that you think that I'm called, but you don't know who I am. Pastor Omar, thank you for saying that I could be a a church planter. Thank you for saying that I have destiny, but you don't know what I've been through. Thank you for saying I could one day lead a life group or one day lead worship or one day lead prayer. But you don't even know that I don't really pray that much. That I don't really read that much. That I don't really evangelize as much as I should. So God, use somebody else because I'm not the one for you. Because we're walking according to our current brand that we have given ourselves based on our mistakes. Based on our past. Based on our surroundings or our upbringing. So because of the brand, we tell God to use someone else. Because we're identifying with this brand. We're like Abraham and Gideon. So God can't use me, so choose somebody else. And even in a message like this today, like I'm preaching it right now to you, right? And you're thinking it's for someone else. Like right now, you're sitting in your seat. You're sitting there like I can go to every single one just to make sure we're all set, we're all good. But we're sitting there right now thinking, nah. That's good, but it's not for me because you don't know. Because you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've gone through. But see, when we connect to God, when we meet God, when God calls us, what does he do? He begins to reveal our true identity. He begins to tell us who we really are and who we're meant to be. Check this out. In Genesis 17, 1 through 5, it says, Now Abram... Now, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. See, Abram's name meant honored father. But Abraham means father of many. So what is God doing? God is saying, look it, I'm going to rename you before you receive what I have for you. I'm going to rebrand you before you could even walk in the promise that I have for you. Gideon was in hiding. And he says, even though you're in hiding, I see you as mighty. I see you as a warrior. I see you by what you're supposed to be. See, we identify ourselves by where we are right now. But God will identify us by where we are meant to be. He calls us by who we were created to be. He called us in Ephesians 1, 3 through 6 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from, our, our God, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places with Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. 
that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which we freely bestowed on us in the beloved. What is he saying? He said, before the foundation of the world, you were chosen to be blameless. You were chosen to be spotless. You were chosen to be righteous. So before your family could label you as a mistake, before your job could label you as a failure, before your past could label you as, as, as miserable or as, as a victim, before anybody could label you, I'm telling you right now that God branded you first. God branded you first. He brands you as a child of himself. He brands you as a son and as a daughter. Before anybody called you what you feel you are right now, God said, no, no, I've branded you first. From the foundations of the world before they were even there, I, I, I saw you and I predestined you and I called you. See, God calls us by where we are meant to be. God has branded you as his son and his daughter. Why do you continue walking in your old identity? Why do we walk in the brand that other people have given us? I often struggle when I'm in Texas by myself, worrying about how people are thinking about my church. Like, man, what if they think I'm not doing good or not starting fast enough or not starting large enough? But then I think, I don't care what people say because I've been branded by God. So all I need to worry about is am I walking in my right identity? I don't walk according to people's words. I don't walk according to my past. I don't walk according to my mistakes. I walk according to my true identity as a son of God. In Psalms 139 verse 13 through 16, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Before you were in your mother's womb, God knew you. He was forming you. He was putting you together. Just because your parents abandoned you doesn't mean you are a mistake. Just because your father left your family doesn't mean you are a mistake doesn't mean you have no purpose just because you grew up without a mom doesn't mean you're not supposed to be here I'm telling you because when you were in the womb God saw you and he was forming you and he was putting you together and he and he saw you with purpose he saw you with value so you have a purpose there is a plan for your life there was a plan for your life but we miss it because we don't look at Psalms we don't look at the word of God we look at the word of everybody else well, they say I'm a failure. They say I'll never change. They say I'll always be addicted. They say I'll always be an alcoholic. She says I'll never be a better husband. He says I'll never be a better wife. He says he'll never love me as his dad. She says she'll never love me as her mom. So this is just who I am. And I'm never going to change. But I'm telling you, God created you on purpose, with purpose. You are not just here by accident. You are here for a reason. And I wish, I wish, I wish that you would just get it. That we would all just get it. Because if we would all get it, this world would change so quickly but the problem is we walk in our old identity we let the enemy brand us so we stay stuck in our old ways we let him tell us who we are i just i get so frustrated why why do we walk that way why do we walk with guilt why do we walk with shame if we walk in that way why did jesus die 
If we truly believe that we're never going to change, then we don't truly believe in the power of God. He created you on purpose, with purpose. You're not your past. Listen to me. You are not your past. You are not your mistakes. You are not your failures. You are meant for more. Our actions express who we are right now, but God will express who we're meant to be. You might be in an ugly place right now, but I'm telling you, God sees some goodness in you. God sees a place for you, for you to go. He sees a plan for your life because he gives you a new identity. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in, new, is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. See, God doesn't refurbish you. God doesn't just restore you. God renews you. So you're not like just a better version of your past self. You're not like just a better guy, right? Like, oh, I'm just a good man now. You're not just, now, no, now I just don't drink. Or now I just don't smoke. Or now I don't, you know, argue with my wife as much. Or whatever it may look like. You're not just a restored version of yourself. You are a new person. You are a new creation. Your, your identity is found in Christ. You are brand new. And so what God does is he says, you're a child of God, so you're loved. You're redeemed. You're chosen. You're holy. You're forgiven. You're righteous. You're a child of God. You have a new identity in Christ. He, he covers us. Thank you. All right. Shout out to Benji's dad. <laughs> so what happens is, is this, this blood that we often talk about, the blood of Jesus. And it's, it's this crazy thought, right? Like it's, you got to study, you got to learn, you got to understand. But the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross, there's so much power that it still covers sin. That it still renews, that it still restores, that it still makes you new. So when you're covered and cleansed by his blood, you're, you're brand new and you're made right with God. All we need to do is receive it. You cannot do anything to earn it. You cannot do anything to have God say, ah, forget it, you're, you're gone, I don't like you. He loves you. All you need to do is receive it. God, give me this gift. And that's what makes it good news. That's what makes it the gospel. Is that It's not by our works. It's not by our mistakes or the good things that we do. All it is is the power of the blood of Jesus that comes into our life. And it transforms who we are. And we become brand new. And we just need to receive it. We need to walk in our new brand. And our new brand is brand new. That makes sense. When I wrote that down, I was like, damn, that's pretty good. It's a, little, it's a little cheesy. I will say it's a little cheesy, but it's pretty good. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. <clears throat> it says, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is a ma- his master of all, but is, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage un- under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that they might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So it's something that is done inside of us. When God saves us, it's an inward work. Now, this is the thing is like 
We'll, we'll come to the altar. We'll get saved. We start crying, whatever it looks like for you when you got saved. And, and then we go home and we're like, wait a minute. My house looks the same. Why are people still fighting? Why isn't my marriage like, I thought it was going to be good after this. I thought, let me go to our bank account, right? It's like, oh, I still don't have any money. I thought, I, I thought like God had like this bank account in heaven that he just kind of deposited some money into it. Right? You know, you hear those stories. Like Pastor Dave has those stories like, I just got a check in the mail. So I'm always like looking in my mailbox like, like where's my check? But we get saved and we're like, well, you know, where's the promise? Where's the promise? Like, why haven't I received this yet? Why aren't I, why, why, like, I, I know that I'm new, but I don't feel new. I don't, I don't, like, I'm still tempted. I still kind of want to go back to my old ways. Why is that if I'm a new person? Because God is doing a work in you. It takes some time. Could it, could it be, could it be that God is, is putting you through those times of, of stress and trouble so that you will learn to pray? Could it be that he's trying to teach you that all you got to do is trust? He's trying to teach you that his timing is better than your time? Could it be that God is just trying to teach us something through those times when it seems like he's not doing anything? You ever feel like that? Like, God, where are you? Honestly, can I be honest with you? I'm going to be honest with you anyway. I will be in Texas by myself thinking, God, where are you and why did you bring me here? Like, this is, this is harder than I thought. What is going on? I, I pray, I pray, I pray. And I, and, I, and I said this before, like, I pray now more than I ever have in my life. Because, like, I really, really, like, really have to. <laughs> so I pray now more than I ever have in my life. But I feel like God is so distant. And so I'm on my knees, you know, just stressing, like, God, where are you? And he reminds me, I'm teaching you something. I'm showing you something. I'm telling, I'm, I'm trying to get you through this season. I'm trying to get you through these times. See, Abraham was 75 years old when God first spoke to him about the promise, but he did not receive his son till he was 100. So there was 25 years between the promise given and the promise received. I guess you would put it in that way. But at 99, God met Abram. That's when he changed his name to Abraham, but God revealed himself to Abraham as Al Shaddai for the first time, which is Almighty God or supreme or all-powerful or overcomer so what God I believe what he was doing with Abram is he was saying look this is a different side of me that you haven't seen this is a side that when I say something is going to be done it is going to be done this is a side of me that it takes some time to understand we can't understand that God is all-powerful if we keep getting what we ask sometimes we got to go through a little bit of time and trial and struggle to see that he's still with us that he still overcomes for us because he is the overcomer so what is he saying? He's saying, if I say something about you, it will be done. So when God calls you, he's not guessing. He's not saying, well, maybe one day you will be this. What he's doing is that I see into the future. I see something that you don't see yet. And this is who you are. This is who you were branded to be. This is who you were created to be. He looks ahead and he sees who we're supposed to be. And he calls us to be that. Man, I need to catch my breath. So just because your surroundings don't change doesn't mean God isn't working. 
Just because it looks the same on the outside doesn't mean God isn't working on the inside. Don't lose hope. His work will be accomplished. His work will be accomplished. If he said it, it will be done. Philippians 1, 3 through 6 says, I think my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for all of you with joy for your, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Be confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. But here's the thing is it's not automatic. Isn't it interesting that, that the, the writer says it will be complete, but he still prays for them. It will be done, but I still pray for you. Why? Because God is all-powerful, and he can accomplish all that he wills to do, but it takes our obedience. Because the calling of God is not an automatic. It's not something you just get. Some of us think, like, well, if I just stay in church, then one day I'll get it. One day I'll be a pastor. One day I'll be a leader. One day I'll be recognized. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. God needs you to be obedient in the little things. He needs you to be obedient through the trials. It's not an automatic thing. He is faithful. We must be obedient. God will never cease to be faithful. God will always be faithful, but we always mess it up. We mess it up, right? God is not the problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, God, what's going on, man? Come on. Like, what's up? I've been saved like six weeks now. Why aren't I a pastor yet? <laughs> but it takes, our, it takes our faithfulness. It takes our obedience to, to, for God's will to be accomplished in our lives. In Romans 8, 12 through 17 says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are children of God, and if children with God, children of God, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. See, when we are led by the Spirit, we walk in obedience. When we walk in obedience, we walk in authority. Co-heirs with Christ. The problem is this. We'll walk in the Spirit for a little while, and then when it gets hard, we turn right back around. So I walk in the flesh. We get back in the Spirit, and we're like, God, where's my breakthrough? And like, right, it's right over there, and we're like, oop. You know, it's getting too hard, right? I guess I'm the only one that's ever done that. I mean, right? Like, we walk in the Spirit, and then when it gets a little difficult, when we don't get the recognition we think that we deserve, when we don't get the people shouting us out, when we don't get the hand claps, the high fives, and the pat on the back, we turn around. Why is that? You know why that is? Because we still need to be affirmed by people. If you need to be affirmed by by people, you will never be fulfilled. If all you're looking is for Pastor Omar to give you a pat on the back, or Pastor Isaac to shout out your name and say, oh, this is a good guy. Then you're missing it. Because we're not branded by people. We're branded by God. So, so, so my affirmation, my affirmation doesn't come from people. I don't care if people think my church is too small, too big. I don't care. Not because I don't like people or because I don't respect people, but because my affirmation comes from my, my Father in heaven. My affirmation doesn't come from people. There's freedom in that. The reason some of us keep missing is because we're looking for affirmation. And when we don't get it, we stop. And then we're confused why we haven't been given authority, why we haven't been given some, some influence. It's because God is waiting for you. The authority that we're given is only found in Jesus. 
It's not by our own power. It's not by our own capabilities. It's not by the good things or the bad things that we do. Our authority and our power is only in Jesus. The problem is we got to walk with Jesus to have his power. we got to be led by the Spirit to understand his will. 1 John 5.14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. See, a lot of us like to take the according to his will out. And we're like, if I ask anything, he hears me. He'll give it to me. I got this, right? Like, give me that lottery ticket. God, I got this. This is me. Authority. I'm a son of God. You're going to give me the lottery ticket that's going to win it all. But it says anything according to his will. I, I have a trick. You want to know how to get all your prayers, prayers answered? Every single one of them? Pray his will. I pray his will. In my church, I, I, I pray for specifics. I pray for a building. I pray for people. But I, I, my biggest prayer and my longest prayer is God, let your will be done. God, this is your church. These are your people. This is your city. Your will be done here. Not my will, God. I have a lot of wills. I got a lot of things that I would like to see. But God, let your will happen here. Because if my will happens, it will, it will not be as good or effective. So I pray that God's will be, will be done because then I know it will happen. And then I have confidence, no matter where I'm at, that I'm in his will. And I'm supposed to be there. Amen. Amen. So here we are. We're no longer branded by our past. But we're now branded by God. And he brands us according to our future, where we're supposed to be. So we are his children, and he's working on us. It's a work. There's a work that has to be done. We're, we got a lot of problems, right? Like, we all got a lot of problems. I got a lot of problems, too. I mean, I'm pro I probably got more problems than you do. There's a work in us. We're his children, but it, it, there's a work. So as his children, we walk in obedience to his spirit. And because we walk in obedience to his spirit, we have authority through his son. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7, if I can get piano up here. It says this. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Thank God, man. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. It says we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we get a new identity. We walk in a new brand. We walk in obedience. We walk in authority. And we walk in with, we're walking now with a new perspective because we're seated in a different place. I'm no longer seated where I used to be when I was an enemy of God, when I was confused and lost. But now because of my new identity, I'm seated with Christ and I see things differently. Because I'm seated in heavenly places, so I think with heavenly thoughts. So now my perspective has changed. The way that we see our world will change when we understand who we are. When, you, when it clicks in your mind, and I know it takes some time. I'm not like, you know, don't, 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 don't mistake my passion for like, you know, I'm angry with you. I don't get to preach like this in huddle because there's only like 10 people right now. So if I start shouting like this. <laughs> so you're getting like six months of like no preaching worth right here <laughs> but our perspective changes how I see my trials it changes how I see my struggles 
It changes. Why? Because before I used to look at them like this, where I'd see hills and, and ups and downs and like, what am I going to get through? But now that I'm seated in heavenly places, I see, oh, I know that I'm going to get through this. I know that, that this is not going to last forever. I might be going through it, but it looks different. I might be going through it, but it looks different. My marriage may, may feel the same, but I know where it's going to be. I know that it's going to be healed. I know that God is going to do a work in me and in my wife and in my kids. My struggles may feel the same. I may be still in them, but it looks differently because I have a new perspective, because I have a new identity, and I have a new position, and I'm seated with Christ. My home looks different because we walk in authority. You walk in authority. Some of you men need to understand the power of the Holy Spirit within you. I used to be afraid for my kids. I used to be afraid, right? Like, God, please don't take their innocence. Like, that's like my biggest fear. Like, God, don't let anybody touch them, right? Like, please. And I used to be afraid. I used to be afraid. Like, I don't want to send them to school because I don't want them to get all messed up because th then they're going to fall away. And then I, I don't want to be that. I don't want my son to be far off from God because I love my kids. So I used to be afraid of that. But when this clicked in my mind that I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, I got authority. So when it clicked in my mind, I no, long, no longer say, please, God. I say, devil, you have no authority over my kids. You can't touch my kids. I don't care what people say. I don't care what you try to whisper in my ear. You cannot touch my children because I'm a child of God. Therefore, I have authority over you. In our homes with our marriage. Oh, God, please, can you just change my marriage? God, help me, Lord. God, change her, right? Change her, change her. That's like all we pray. No, 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 no. God, because of the authority that's been given to me, my marriage will be changed. My marriage will be saved. My marriage will be covered by the blood of Jesus. Oh, I plead the blood of Jesus over my kids, my family, my home, my city, because I see things differently. I know that I walk in authority of God, so I begin to claim things. Not guess, not wonder, not hope. I claim. This is mine. These kids are mine. This calling is mine. My city is mine. My neighborhood is mine. Hutto, Texas belongs to God. Why? Because we have authority. Some of us are like, well, Pastor Moore, pray for Paramount. Because you have it. No, 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 no. You have it. You have the authority to claim things. That's why Jesus says, pray on earth as it is in heaven. What is he saying? Call down the will of the Father to be on earth. Some of us are just waiting. Oh God, I can't wait to get to heaven. Get me out of this hell hole. But Jesus is like, no, no, don't pray that you leave. Pray that he comes. Pray that he comes. Claim that it will be on earth as in heaven. Come on. You have authority. You have authority. So we see our world differently. My trials look different. My struggles look different. My family looks different. My kids, they're not lost. I'm claiming them. It looks different. How we see ourselves looks different. I'm no longer my past because I have authority to walk in my new life. I have authority to walk in my new identity. I've been branded by God before the foundations of the earth. I've been branded by God when I was in my mother's womb. He formed me. He was there. He saw me when no one else saw me. And I've been formed. So I have identity. I have authority. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not even who I was last week. I'm made new. I'm made new. I'm new in Christ. We see ourselves differently. Now we see I have purpose. I have purpose. I have a plan. Yeah. 
There's a plan for my life. God is speaking to me now. There's a plan for my life. There's something for me. Too often, too often, we're like Gideon and Abraham and all these guys like, give it to somebody else, give it to somebody else. But God is giving it to you. Only you can fulfill your purpose. Only you can fulfill the plan on your life. Nobody else. So we see ourselves differently, but I think almost a little bit more importantly, we begin to see others differently. So I'm seated in heavenly places, but it's not to bring entitlement to me. I'm not seated with the Father so that I can look down on other people. See, religion will look down on people. The Pharisees look down on people. But the seat of the Father looks a lot like Jesus washing feet. Seated in heavenly places looks a lot like serving. Seated in heavenly places looks a lot like what Jesus did. Sacrificing your own pleasure for the good of somebody else. That's what it looks like to seat in heavenly places. We got it twisted. Well, maybe when I, when, when I get that title or I get that status or I get that position or I get those followers or I get those likes or I get that affirmation, then I'll be able to love people. No, 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 no. Understand that seated in heavenly places means you're humble. You walk in hum- humility and you see people for who they are as a son and a daughter of God and you see them with value. You see them with value. I said this my, in the first verse, my biggest regret, my biggest regret when we left, my big, and I still look back and think, oh, I wish I would have done it differently. My biggest regret is I was lost with my friends. I was lost in my group. I was lost, same thing, Sunday, same people. Wednesday, same people. Friday, same people. And how we treated visitors, well, this is me, not you. You guys got this going now. How we treated visitors, be like, hey, man, how you doing? Good to meet you. All right, all right, cool, man. We'll see you next week. All right, sounds good. And we look, and we just get lost in this. Because we miss the value of the individual. We miss the value of one person. One person. Now I'm like, God, just send one. Please, like, we just need one person. But what happened is now that I'm by myself, he's teaching me. He's teaching me how to love the individual. Now that I see that I have authority. So my authority is not to just say, hey, get things right with God. My authority now is to say, hey, man, let me pray with you. I don't need to tell them I have authority. Because the Spirit knows. We see value in people. We see people as like, hey, you, you have purpose. Like, you have purpose. Every person that walks into our house for our church, I'm like, God, what do you have for them? What are they going to do? God, what's their call? Like, like I want to see it. I want to help them get there. I sit down with, with, with men and, and individuals and say, hey, man, listen, I'm not about like you coming into my church. I want to help you fulfill your plan. I want to I elevate you. I want to help you fulfill what God has done in your life. And so my goal now is to see the value of people, but we can only see that when we see that we are branded as children of God. Because then we walk in that authority. And lastly, we begin to see God differently. We begin to see God differently. He's my loving father. He's my loving father. Now there's probably somebody here, you don't know what it's like to have a loving father. You grew up without your dad. And so it's hard for you to find that love. And maybe it doesn't all happen at once, but I'm telling you, God is faithful. He fulfills that. He fulfills that void. But we see him as a loving father because now I'm not walking my old identity. I'm branded. I'm made new. I walk in authority and with power, and I'm seated with him. When we're seated with him, what is that? That's relationship. 
That's closeness. I'm sitting down with Christ. That means I can talk to him. That means I can understand him. That means I can hear his voice. And when we begin to understand, we see him as a father. See, my son, my son is crazy. He's, he's like, like, he's like on another level. Like, it's, I feel like once he wakes up, he's boom, 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 until like he shuts down. He's gone. And I love him. He's crazy, but he, he does drive me crazy. He has like my personality, so it's, I feel bad for my parents. I'm like, sorry, dad. But when my son falls or hurts himself, it's usually because he's doing something he shouldn't do. That's usually why he gets hurt. Like, dude, I told you not to jump off into the counter like a thousand times. Like, why do you still do that? Or Liam, stop trying to jump off the couches, dude. Like, you're going to hurt yourself. And then, boom, hits the corner, of course. You know, jumping off the bunk bed. I don't know. He does all crazy things. But when he gets hurt and he comes to me, even if I know he's doing something he's not supposed to do, I don't grab him and say, hey, you know, spank him and say, you shouldn't have been doing that. What were you thinking? Even though he may deserve that because he needs spankings. I got grandma saying no. <laughs> but not spank him. I have to like recalibrate them when we get back to Texas. They've been with their grandparents too long. <laughs> they do whatever they want. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Anyway, so I don't spank him and say like, hey, should I do, what's wrong with you? You should have known better. Like sometimes I do because I'm a bad, I could be a bad dad sometimes, but but for the most part, what I do is I grab him, and I say, hey, are you okay? I check, like, okay, no blood. And I move his arm immediately, like, because if he screams, I'm like, all right, let's go to the hospital. <laughs> but I move his arms, and I say, hey, dude, are you all right? Are you okay? Okay. He's crying. I hug him. It's okay. It's okay. Don't cry. Don't cry. And then when it's all done, I grab him by the hand, look him in the eye, and say, hey, why'd you get hurt? Well, because, uh, you know, <laughs> because I was jumping off the bed, and and I hit the door, or I was climbing on my drums. <laughs> That's a true story. And, and then I tell him, hey, you shouldn't have done that. That's not smart, son. Like, let's not do that anymore, okay? Okay, Dad. Of course, he's going to do it again. But, but that's, that's because he's my son. And I love him. And I care about him. And I care more about how he is than what he's done. So when, when you make a mistake, the reason you run from God is because you don't see him as your father. But you see him through the eyes of your old identity when you were his enemy. But now that you're made new, you see him as your father and you cry out to him. And when you come to him, he doesn't say, hey, you shouldn't have done that. What were you thinking? I told you not to say that. I told you not. No, no, no. What does he do? He says, hey, come here. Let me help you. Let me fix it for you. I know you made a mess out of things, but I'm going to show you how to put it back together. Come here. And then what does he say? Hey, you probably shouldn't have done that. Let's work on those things next time, right? Let's not say that again. Let's not yell at our wife like that again, right? Like, he, he fixes us because he's our loving father. And then when we see him as our loving father, we understand that we're always welcomed in his presence. We're always welcomed in, in his presence. When we're seated in heavenly places, we see it all differently. We can't be seated with Christ unless we understand that we're not branded by the world. We're not branded by our past. We're not branded by our surroundings or our family or our failures or even by ourselves. We're branded by the one who created us. And from the beginning, he called you. So we're welcomed into his presence. So now when you go home to pray, when you go home to pray, listen to me, those that are struggling with your prayer life, when you go home, you get to your closet or your room and you say, I have authority 
over any devil that will try to stop me from getting to the presence of my Father. I have authority over you. I have authority. And when you begin to pray, you look at him and say, Father, I know that you're there. And I know that you hear me. Help me understand you. I'm not going to lie to you. When I'm in, when I'm, again, when I'm praying, I love to pray. I try to pray as much as I possibly can. I'm not always good at it. I'm going to be honest. But when I pray and I don't feel God, right, that could easily be like, I'm done. I can't do this. I'm out of here. But when I don't feel him, I keep praying and I keep talking to him. I keep asking him. Why? Because I know that as his son, he hears me. I don't need to feel him anymore. Now, I like to and I love when he comes and he visits me, but I don't need that. I don't need to feel him. I don't need to get goosebumps. I don't need a worship team behind me. I don't need all that. Why? Because I understand that I'm his son. And all I got to do is talk to him. All I got to do is give him my time. All I got to do is walk and be led by the spirit because I'm a, I'm a new man. I have a new brand. I'm a new creation. And I have authority and I'm close to my father. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.